Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com, where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. Your ticket is $26. Your Your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web, authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. Check out all the latest content, news, articles, and podcasts at bellyupsports.com. And go check out the Belly Up Shop at designtree.com. We're also sponsored by TickPick, the number one ticket marketplace that allows no hidden fees, and by Mecca Nutrition. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Today is October 17th, 2019, and the New York Yankees are officially on their deathbed following their Game 4 loss to the Houston Astros at home. They now trail this series three games to one, going into Game 5 of the ALCS tomorrow night against Justin Verlander. (sighs) I mean, I thought Game 3 was the most depressing game in this series. Uh, Game 4 was ten times more depressing on so many different levels. I mean, the Yankees looked just bad in this game. I mean, you're going to think about all the runners they left on base. When they look back at this game, they're going to think of all the runners left on base, the errors, the poor defense, the strikeouts. Good God, the strikeouts. Uh, They left the bases loaded twice, once in the first inning with two outs against Granke, who looked awful in the first inning, had a chance to pounce on him. They left runners on base. And then they left the bases loaded again in the fifth inning against Ryan Presley with one out, and they couldn't even make contact 
with the heart of the order at the plate. It was Glaber and Edwin Encarnacion couldn't make contact with the bases loaded in one out. So this will probably go down as the darkest game during the 2019 season, or at least in the 2019 season, a game that they were arguably favored in to tie up the series 2-2 going into game five, a game that they had to win, a game that many thought they had a good chance at winning, a game that if they won, they probably would have turned momentum in the series around going again, like, yeah, you're going up against Verlander in game five, but now you have the momentum, the fans are back into it, the offense looks energized, let's go, had a chance to take a 3-2 lead. Now they're down 3-1 in the series with Verlander in Game 5 and then Cole looming if if they can go back to Houston. So they just came out flat again, which is very disappointing. Nothing to cheer about tonight. Even when Gary finally made contact with a baseball in the sixth inning, there there really wasn't too much to get excited about. No life, no sense of urgency. The fans were the only ones who were in it, innings 1 through 9. And most of the time they were booing because of the result on the field. Again, nothing to cheer for. So let's recap this dumpster fire from the beginning to end, shall we? Masahiro Tanaka versus Zach Granke. Again, this game favors the Yankees. Postseason Tanaka has been phenomenal. I think coming into this game, he had the third lowest ERA behind Sandy Koufax and uh, Chrissy Mathewson, I think his name was, for the lowest ERA in Major League Baseball history when it comes to postseason play. So Tanaka threw a very confident top of the first inning. Doesn't give Houston any room for momentum. Uh, Zach Granke looked like he was going to implode in the first inning. Yankees couldn't take advantage. A golden opportunity for them to blow it open. uh, And again, finally get their offense going. And they choked again. They came in with one run. So they scored one run because Brett Gardner was smart enough to uh, keep the bat on his shoulder for a bases-loaded walk, but then Gary Sanchez, who did make a contribution during the game. I don't want to burn him too bad here, but he continued to struggle in the first inning, swinging at a Granky off-speed pitch that was way out of the zone, low in the zone, low in the dirt for strike three to leave the bases loaded. That resulted in a shit ton of booze for Gary Sanchez. He has not released the Kraken in the series. I mean, I guess he kind of released one tonight in the sixth inning, but we'll get to that. Tanaka, again, looked great in the second inning. It looked like we were going to get Masahiro Tanaka from Game 1, which would have been huge. Tanaka threw 68 pitches and six shutout innings in Game 1. That would have been perfect going into Game 5. But we would soon find out that that wouldn't be the case because in the top of the third inning, runners on first and second, a walk and a single, a four-pitch walk to start the inning to, to, I think it was Robinson Chirinos or Martin Maldonado. I think it was uh, Chirinos. And that just can't happen. You know a four-pitch walk to start the inning. I think 75% of uh, leadoff walks result in runs. Well, this one resulted in three runs because Tanaka served up, I think, one of the two big blows in this game, you could say. Three-run home run to George Springer. Laid off an off-speed pitch on the outside corner that looked really good, was able to lay off it. And then Tanaka goes with the same pitch, but this one caught much more of the plate. Springer connected. A vintage Springer Dinger, the second Springer Dinger of the series to left field right over the scoreboard. He won in game one off of Ottavino, but this one again was a three-run shot. That one was a solo shot. This made it 3-1 to one Houston in the third, which sucked the entire life out of Yankee Stadium just for the time being. It killed absolutely all the momentum going forward. So now it's 3-1 Houston. Granke starts to get into a groove all of a sudden. For the first time in like this entire postseason, Granke actually got into a groove, retired I think five in a row before he got into some trouble in the fifth inning. That's when he got out of it. So Granke went four and a third innings, three hits, only allowed the one earned run, four walks, five strikeouts, 
3-4 ADRA in this game where Tanaka again gave you length because that's what you needed in this game. The bullpen has been taxed in the last two games. You needed Tanaka best case scenario to go at least five innings. So I would have preferred seven innings because then you wouldn't have had to use the Ottavinos or the Canelys or the Greens, but you have to go to them anyways. Tanaka goes five innings, allows three earned runs on four hits. The three runs, again, coming on the uh, George Springer dinger in the top of the third inning, a three-run shot to make it three to one. But let's fast forward to the fifth inning. That's the next time that the Yankees actually put some runners on base. They put a lot of runners on base, a lot of great at-bats in that fifth inning against Zach Granke. So let's recap that fifth inning. DJ LeMayhew, Aaron Judge, and Aaron Hicks, all with a great approach at the plate. I think it was against Granke. LeMayhew worked to walk. Judge had a very patient at-bat, didn't swing out of uh, the zone once. A lot of great pitches made in that at-bat by Granke that Judge would normally chase. I mean, you see him chase those off-speed sliders out of the zone, like on the outside corner low in the dirt all the time. You didn't see it in this at-bat. Was very patient, had a great eye, an impeccable pair of eyes from number 99. Worked the walk, and I think that was it for Granke. So they bring in Ryan Presley with runners on first and second and one out. And Aaron Hicks, I think, goes down in the count either 1-2 and or 0-2. and battles back, lays off a couple of tough pitches just like Aaron Judge, and ends up working a walk. For a guy who hasn't played since August 4th, going into game two. I think he got one at-bat in game two as a pinch hitter. Started in game three, starts in game four. He's got like 10 at-bats under his belt this postseason. An absolute phenomenal at-bat. A lot better at-bat than most of the Yankees hitters tonight. So now there's bases loaded, one out, you're down by two in the fifth inning. This is where Yankee Stadium becomes a fan frenzy. Glaber Torres, 22 years old, is arguably your MVP of this series if the Yankees can uh, freeze over hell and turn the world on its axis and beat Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole to go to the World Series. But Glaber Torres comes up into this at-bat, falls behind early, can't lay off. Uh, uh, it was just a bad fastball. He, I think Presley bull, uh, bullseyed it in the dirt, and Torres went around. It was a close call. It could have gone either way. First base umpire calls him uh, strike three, said he swung two outs. That demoralizes the crowd. I think I can speak on behalf of all Yankee fans when I say even with the bases loaded and one out in that scenario with Glaber Torres at the plate, you weren't going to believe it until you saw it if the Yankees were going to come away with any runs. I think Glaber ended up going 0 for 5 in the game, uh, left six runners on base in the game alone. So it's like ultra disappointing, but at the same time, you're kind of expecting them to fail. That's how these past few games have gone. And then Edwin Encarnacion, poor Eddie, comes up, just wants to walk the pair one time in October. Just one time. Bases loaded, two outs, all the fans are antsy, waiting to explode, and you just knew he wasn't going to make contact. You were just praying for like a, a six-pitch walk, like three-two pitch, like Presley, just throw it wild, low and away, just bring in a run. You knew Edwin Encarnacion wasn't going to make contact. I mean, to his credit, he put up a valiant effort to try and stay in that count, fouled off a couple of tough pitches, but in the end, swings through a fastball in the inner part of the plate, and it just it just sucked the entire life out of every Yankee fan there. Uh, I mean, A-Rod probably had the, the life sucked out of him, too. David Ortiz probably giving him a tough time. And that was basically the last chance for the Yankees to really get back in this game because top of the sixth inning, Tanaka allows a, a leadoff base runner. Boone pulls him for Chad Green. Chad Green gets an out and then gives up a single to Jordan Val Alvarez, which was his first hit of the series. The guy was 0 for 16 before the bat has a broken bat single, puts runners on the corners and one out for Carlos Correa. And Carlos Correa on a two-strike pitch. Gary Sanchez set up high and inside. 
Chad Green threw it about middle and inside, and Carlos Correa deposited it, like, literally on the same section as George Springer for the second big blow of the game, second big blow of the night, another three-run home run. I, if the Astros end up winning this series like many expect them to do now, up three games to one in the American League Championship Series, I wonder if they're either going to give the ALCS MVP award to George Springer or Carlos Correa. Correa, of course, with the home run tonight that blew the game wide open, basically sealed it for the Astros, and then the walk-off in Game 2 to get him back in the series. But then George Springer with a huge home run tonight that I wouldn't have won the game because the Yankees ultimately end up scoring three runs, but George Springer hits a big home run to change momentum in tonight's game and then hit a big home run, probably the swing of the series thus far, changing momentum for the Astros in Game 2 when the Yankees were up up one nothing in the series, up 2-1 to one in Game 2 in the fifth inning, and Adam Adovino served up the slider that just, just hung. It did not slide at all. It was a slider that didn't slide. And George Springer hit it up into the train tracks, arguably the swing of the series thus far that tied the game at two. And then Correa hits the walk off 3-2. So it'll be interesting who wins between Springer and um, Correa because I don't really think anybody else deserves it at this point unless Cole comes back in a potential game seven and shuts down the Yankees again. In that case, he'd win it. But other than that, it looks like it's going to be George Springer or Carlos Correa taking MVP honors. Who knows? They might be co-MVPs. How about that? But Correa, honestly, at that point, every Yankee fan's like, okay, like, it's top of the sixth inning. We're down by five. There's still a lot of time in this game. It's going to be Houston's bullpen getting the final 12 outs, so we still have a chance. But you got to think six to one against the Houston Astros in a must-win game with arguably your postseason ace on the mound in Tanaka, who's been phenomenal during his entire postseason career. That just sucks. Like, this absolutely sucks. So it's six to one. Bottom of the sixth inning, they bring in Josh James, the Astros do, A.J. Hinch does, and uh, allows a four-pitch walk to Brett Gardner. And then uh, finally, finally, Gary Sanchez is able to barrel up a baseball. He released the crack in a little bit, gave us a little sneak peek, and hit a laser two-run shot, arguably in the exact same section. It could have been the same fan who caught all three home run balls. All three home run balls between Springer Correa and Gary Sanchez tonight all went to the exact same spot in left field I think section 106 107 right behind the State Farm scoreboard so that made it 6-3 and at that point you're like okay the stadium's back in it we're only down by three they still need 12 outs James is not pitching that well right now get to him while you can but then James strikes out the next two, uh, gets a ground ball out, one, two, three after that. And basically after that, the Yankees really didn't get anything going. And uh, the, the next big uh, portion in this game, which a lot of people are going to remember just for the sole fact of it being absolutely the saddest moment in the Yankees 2019 season. And arguably the saddest moment we've seen for any baseball player in a very long time was in the top of the eighth inning, 6-3 game. They bring in CC Sabathia to relieve, to get out of the jam. I think it was runners on first and second, one out. CeCe comes in the game. Remember, CeCe made an appearance in game two to get Michael Brantley to ground out. It was his only appearance so far this postseason, one batter through six pitches. But he comes into this game, gets an out, uh, is about to get out of the jam. The Yankees did allow one run that inning just because of the poor defense. I think think throughout this game twice, DJ LeMahieu, booted a, a ground ball at first base, but both really tough spins. I think the first one, Alex Bregman hit a ball right off the end of the bat and just took like uh, that English spin. It was like 
just a wicked amount of spin and DJ just he couldn't eat it up and then the second one kind of the same deal hard hit ball weird spin and DJ just it's, it's just unlike LeMahieu like I mean I mean I know he uh booted the one in the game one against the the twins in the ALDS in game one he dropped the pop-up but he's been pretty solid for a guy who's not really a standard first baseman. Luke Voigt's been your first baseman all season long. LeMahieu's been awesome, uh, scooping everything out of the dirt because Didi Gregorius, for some reason, can't uh, complete a ball to first base to save his life anymore from shortstop, not on the air at, at least. But uh, LeMahieu's been awesome, was not awesome tonight. Uh, that allowed, I think there were two or three errors. I think two official errors, but three plays that should have been made in the top of the eighth inning. That only resulted in one run, but back to the topic of the saddest moment of this season. Um, CC Sabathia, which th- this is probably going to be his final game. CC Sabathia ending his career tonight in just the saddest form you could end your career. Uh, his knee problems have been well documented. He's been on the DL four times this year. Did not was not on the ALDS roster because of it. And if the Yankees didn't advance, that was going to be it. His final game was going to be a regular season uh, start against the Anaheim Angels at home. I think at, in late September, right before they clinched the AL East title. And now he makes his second appearance in this ALCS and his knee just gives out. And uh, it was kind of like a WWE moment, like when Ric Flair retired or when Shawn Michaels retired, had that last bit of adrenaline, put his hand in the air, his fist in the air, like a thumbs up as the crowd went nuts as he was about to throw like a warm-up pitch to test it. And he threw it. It was with all of his might, final pitch he ever threw in his career, and he said, yeah, I couldn't go. And Stevie Donahue walked him off the field to a standing O. CC, you could tell, just distraught, crying in his mitt. It was just one of the saddest endings to a baseball career that you're going to see. So thank you, Char- Karsten Charles Sabathia, for a 19-year career, led the Yankees as their ace to the 2009 World Championship. It is so sad that his career ends this way in this fashion. And then after that, uh, uh, Bregman ends up scoring. It was, I think, Michael Brantley had an RBI single on the top of the ninth, but that was basically it. The offense was dead. The uh, The atmosphere was awesome the entire game. Like, the Yankee fans were in it from beginning to end. I think in game three, the life wasn't there. I mean, you've seen videos from Barstool, the short porch hubs posted it. You've seen it on the Yankees' Twitter page. That one fan screaming his head off for like, why, why is nobody standing? It's Garrett Cole. We got to win this game. This is our game. This It's our time now. I think it was because it was a four o'clock start that the Yankees didn't really get the results that they wanted to get. I feel like there was a lot more corporate people there on business as opposed to actual fans who were probably at work or still in school. So I feel like this eight o'clock start gave the Yankees fans more time, more energy to recover. Uh, he got them there on time and they were, they were ready. One and he's one through nine. Like I said, they were there till the end and the Yankees just couldn't muster anything for him. So the Yankees loses game eight to three. They now trail in the series three games to one. I really don't know what to expect in game five. I think all of my October anxiety is done with whatever happens happens in these next couple of days. If the Yankees are able to somehow muster a few hits, some runs off Verlander to advance to a game six, because if you advance to a game six, anything can happen. And when I say that, um, it's a bullpen game. It's a bullpen game in game six because they'll probably save Cole for game seven given they'd be up 3-2 going back home if they can beat Verlander. But we'll get into that and a lot more. We'll preview game five tomorrow night right after this message from Mecca Nutrition. Do you find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? 
Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecca Nutrition? Mecca Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecca's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecca Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecca Nutrition. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661-695-9061. I've been using Mecca Nutrition products for over a year and a half now. And for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs, as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at Neil or Neil at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Rumor has it, if you mention Mecca Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. All right, so let's talk about it. Game five, American League Championship Series, Yankee Stadium, Friday night. I think it's a 7 o'clock game, 7.30, 7.07, whatever it is. It really doesn't matter because it's going to be Justin Verlander versus James Paxton. Big game James, big maple on the mound for the Yankees with their season dwindling in his fingertips. I am not confident in James Paxton at all, not even a little bit. He only threw two and a third innings uh, in game two in Houston before he got pulled for Chad Green. Maybe that's not his fault. I mean, he only gave up the one run, but he uh, showed signs of fatigue through a lot of pitches in those two and a third innings. So um, I don't know. Justin Verlander did not pitch to his uh, to the best of his ability against the Yankees in game two, but pitched well enough to keep the Astros in the game. And the Yankees played it like they, they didn't hit Verlander well, obviously. Aaron Judge with the one big blow, the two-run home run in the fourth inning. But they hit him well enough to get him out of the game during a tie game so they could leave it up to the bullpen. Justin Verlander didn't knock out the Yankees, which everybody thought could uh, could have been a possibility, a huge possibility in game two. I, mean, I think a lot of people expected it to be 1-1 going back to Yankee Stadium. But Justin Verlander goes seven, in, I think seven innings, or maybe six and two, I think he goes six and two-thirds, allows just uh, two runs on two or three hits. So game five tomorrow at Yankee Stadium, maybe the fans get in his head, maybe they don't. Maybe the Astros clinch the pennant in front of the Yankees' home crowd like the Red Sox clinched the ALDS last year in front of the home crowd. Again, the Yankees have not played well at home in the postseason the last two years. I think when everybody went back for game three this, this in this series, everybody thought of the 2017 series where the Astros just absolutely crapped their pants basically at Yankee Stadium the Astros crapped their pants at the Trop in the ALDS losing both those games so a lot of Yankee fans were like oh golly gee here we go we're gonna win at least two of three well we definitely lost two of three to this point with the hope of winning the third one against a guy who's gonna be competing against his teammate Garrett Cole for the AL Cy Young Award he went 20 and 6 this year with an ERA under three so man uh, it's not gonna be easy 
But I think that the Yankees can some way, somehow, squeak out a win to force a Game 6. Now, if that means uh, getting at least two runs off Verlander and the pitching keeps the Yankees in the game so that they can get to their bullpen, or whether they can get to Verlander early, because I think he's on four days rest. He would have been on five days rest without the rainout. So now that the Astros are up 3-1, to one, it obviously favored them the rainout, not the Yankees, like many Many analysts thought that this favored the Yankees for whatever reason. Their bullpen was shot. It's going to be shot again for Game 5 because Boone had to turn to five relievers after Tanaka tonight. And the big three he turned to, Green, Ottavino, and Canely, all worked. Though Canely, I think, got a bit of a lighter load than... Well, Ottavino, let's see. He only pitched to two batters again. Didn't get an out. For whatever reason, can't get an out. He's been terrible. So let's touch up on that for a second. Adam Ottavino should... Like, everybody says Giancarlo Stanton at this point shouldn't even be on the roster because he won't play. Why not take Adam Ottavino off the roster? So you're basically dealing with a 22-man roster now because now you don't have Stanton. Ottavino is basically not valuable at all, and now you don't have CC Sabathia. I mean, Ottavino's pitched in every game in this series so far, and he hasn't gotten an out since game two, since giving up the Springer home run. I mean, that's just unacceptable for a guy who was your number one reliever going into the postseason. Number one reliever, probably top five relievers in the game of baseball this year with that wicked slider, his curveballs, fastball, whatever. He's been terrible. He's just um, and, uh, I think uh, Robbie Fox of Barstow Sports called him a uh, a mental midget uh, coming into postseason play and is arguably the worst postseason pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. So there you go, Adam Ottavino. Hopefully he's better next season. Again, a great regular season. Uh, maybe this experience will benefit him in the future. I mean, I think CeCe Sabathia said it best when, like, or experiencing losing shouldn't result in winning. Like, you should be able to win without experiencing tough losses. But Adam Onovito, hopefully he can ex- uh, uh, benefit from this experience. So moving forward, like we were talking about, Game 5, it's going to be tough against Verlander because you have to at least put a couple runners on base and get that big hit against Verlander. Uh, that big hit you weren't able to get against Ryan Presley and Zach Greinke tonight. Again, bases loaded and two outs after a four-pitch walk to Brett Gardner with the bases loaded. And Gary Sanchez can't even lay off a fastball in the dirt with two strikes. That's pitiful. I mean, that sucked the life out of the stadium. And then the fifth inning, just the, probably the most frustrating inning of the 2019 season, watching Glaber Torres, arguably your best hitter this postseason. Not arguably, he has been the best hitter this postseason, arguably the best hitter on the team right now. Again, just looked lifeless, went down on the count one and two, and couldn't lay off a fastball that was bullseyed in the dirt by Ryan Presley with two strikes. And then Edwin Encarnacion, I don't know what happened. I mean, you can't really use the excuse that like he was on the DL the final two weeks of the season because he was phenomenal in the ALDS. Hit, I think he had four extra base hits in the first two games at the stadium against the Twins and has done nothing. I think he had one extra base hit in game three. He's, he hasn't been able to make contact. At this point, why isn't Stanton DHing? Like Stanton, if he wants to be on the roster, he better be willing to play through that quad injury. Edwin Encarnacion... We'll probably be playing in his final Yankee game tomorrow. There's no sense of re-signing him. Giancarlo Stanton, hopefully he's ready to go tomorrow against Verlander because they're going to need him. Their backs are against the wall. And quite frankly, he shouldn't have had a roster spot to begin with if he's not going to play. 
I know many will argue saying, like, but when his at-bat's in there, it counts. Like, he's a huge bat in the lineup, and he would have been ineligible for the World Series. But at this point, you're down 3-1 in the series. You got to play or you got to go home. That, that's, the, that's the big point there. But I think Boone said that he's probably a go for Game 5 as a DH, so I'll believe it when I see it because Game 5, again, their back's against the wall. It's Justin Verlander, 3-1 series lead, A.J. Hinch. Not even giving an inch against the Yankees. Not really making it easy on them at all going with Verlander in Game 5. But again, if you can muster a win, like just squeak out a win in front of your home crowd, you got to win games at home in the postseason if you want to advance to the World Series. So if they can win Game 5 and get to a Game 6, it's probably going to be a bullpen game. I mean, nine innings of Astros bullpen relievers, I, I think that the Yankees can do just fine against. And they proved that they could win at Minute Maid Park. Get to a game seven. I know it's Garrett Cole and the odds are like 99% to 1%, but you're still alive. You're still fighting to live another day. So, again, tonight's game, lifeless. Uh, Eric Cubs, what did you think about tonight's game? An unbelievably lifeless effort. Yeah. They might have made seven errors tonight. So many pitches down the middle, they just swung through. They could have gotten the Granky. They could have knocked Granky out in the first fucking inning. Tanaka was fine. He did, he, listen, he gave three runs. He was fine. They just didn't fucking score. They they just couldn't score. I don't get it. It's amazing that this whole season they're worried about the pitching. I know they gave eight runs, whatever, but... I mean, their offense let them down in both of these games at home. And in game two. It's like the 2019 season comes down to offense, which is all we have. One through nine was unbelievable all year, and then I don't... The bats just go missing. CC leaving like that couldn't even get it out. The only thing I was rooting for, like the little silver lining, oh, at least CC gets his moment. He leaves hurt and crying. Literally just broke me in half. I have no soul remaining. Better win game five. Game five. I mean, this series is over, but at least go down with that with a fight, please. The fans. I heard you guys were leaving in the sixth or seventh inning. I know I'm not there, but it's my job to be here. But Jesus Christ, gotta win game five. Yep, that about sums it up. I think the silver lining there is just like everybody was dead. He just said, Six, sixth inning, fans are leaving in a pl- playoff Yankee game. Game four, a must-win game. Uh, what, they were down five at that point, 6-1, then Gary hits the home run? Uh, Jesus Christ. The Yankees need to come out of the gates firing tomorrow against Justin Verlander. This can't be like a squeak or three to two win. Just stay alive and then go to game six, hoping with their fingers crossed that they could pull out a win against the bullpen. They need to pounce on Justin Verlander in game five, like put up three or four runs in the first two innings and actually get the crowd into the game because that's what they've not been able to do the past two nights. Again, that first inning, crucial. Could have knocked Granky out of the game in the first inning. And Gary Sanchez whiffs through three fastballs. And then, of course, in the fifth inning, nobody makes contact with the bases loaded and one out. And at that point, all fans are just hoping, like praying that they could get a run across with all of us knowing in the back of our heads that, yeah, but probably not going to happen. I'm not expecting anything to happen here. But it would be nice if they could pull a run across 90 feet here. And then, of course, at the end, just to put the icing on the cake for this miserable, miserable night, CC Sabathia, again, his career ends. Again, that WWE moment, the Ric Flair finally stands up one more time looking to fight with the crowd cheering him on, giving him that last one bit of adrenaline shot, and CC just couldn't do it. His, his final moments of his career, heartbreaking, goes off the mound crying, sobbing into his glove. That's just, again, icing on the cake for the Houston Astros, who 
are most likely advancing to the 2019 World Series to take on the Houston Astros. No, they're not. Gonna, they're not going to take on themselves. They're going to take on the Washington Nationals. Not going to be a, uh, an easy test. Going to be a fun World Series, regardless. Again, it's a three-one series lead. I'm not counting the Yankees out yet, but with Verlander and Cole coming up. It's going to have to be a completely different team going forward. So that, that that's our recap episode here on the O Show presented by Belly Up Sports, sponsored by TickPick and Mecca Nutrition. We'll leave you with one more Mecca Nutrition ad before we leave the show. But Game 5 tomorrow night, uh, I'll be out all weekend, and Donnie will be out all weekend. I'm shooting a movie this weekend, a short film um, here at school, so I probably won't be able to get to a post-game recap for the rest of the series, honestly. So a series recap coming following Sunday, whether it's the Yankees mounting an incredible, unforgettable comeback to win and clinch the pennant and go go to the World Series to face the Nationals, or just what everybody expects the Yankees to fold over and the Houston Astros clinch, whether it's tomorrow, Saturday, or even Sunday. We'll get that recap, me and Donnie, by Sunday for you guys. Again, O-Show Podcast. Let's go Yanks one last time. Game five tomorrow night. You got to win game five. Hit it, Hootie. find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecha Nutrition? Mecca Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecca's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecca Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecca Nutrition. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661 
1-800-273-9061. I've been using Mecca Nutrition products for over a year and a half now, and for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs, as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at Neil or Neil at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Rumor has it, if you mention Mecca Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.